A question I've got, uh, because I guess it really came to light with Willy Wu. So I know he was obviously really big into the on-chain stuff. And it seemed, and I know Sammy mentioned at the start of the conversation, saying that some of the signals are delayed. uh, And it's kind of good when you're right in amongst it, but they're not the best indicators if you're trying to make an informed decision based on what's going to happen next week as such from more volatile trades. Do you agree with that? Do you think there is a, a bit of a delay in the um, reporting of it, or do you think it's better for just long-term investing signals? What What's your kind of belief from what you know? No, um, it, from my experience, um, it, it comes down to one thing, right? It's, it's practice. And um, in my view, there are there's no question. There's a whole lot of metrics you could use to just read the long-term macro cycles. But within that, I mean, at the end of the day, what we're looking at is human behavior over time. Um, so, so a great example, um, there's a metric called um, SOPR, S-O-P-R, stands right. for Spent Output Profit Ratio. So what this basically looks at, look at all the coins that were spent that day, how much the average profit above one or loss below one that they re- realized. Um, when you overlay SOPR, which is the on-chain profit multiple, when you overlay that with funding rate, it's the, 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 they're the same chart. So what does that tell you? That tells you that it doesn't really matter whether there's a guy in a Binance perpetual swap or a dude sending his coins to, to an exchange via his on-chain wallet. The derivative space is a subset, like from statistics. The derivatives traders are a subset of people who are currently trading Bitcoin. The people who are sending their coins to and from exchanges are also a subset of people who are trading Bitcoin. What you're looking at is two statistically significant data sets of how people are behaving. They're doing the exact same thing, but it shows up in two different metrics. So from that lens, if there is statistical significance, if someone believes that we're going to have a liquidation in perpetual swap markets, well, what's going on there is a bunch of guys are also selling for a profit. Your profit multiple in SOPA starts to climb. Guys are locking in profits at the same time that the guys they're selling to are going levered long. So in many ways, there's there's no question. There's loads of metrics that are just nice cyclical patterns. But that's a very small subset of what's actually available in the on-chain space. And the way you get to these things, and particularly those three categories I mentioned before, more so the realized profit and loss in the lifespan, those two, the more I dig into those things, there's leading indicators all over the place. Because what it's telling you is how is that subset, which is statistically significant, how is that subset of investors behaving? Uh, And and there's another thing here. A lot of people don't realize this. Um, because you'll look at like exchange flows. And on any day, what we call net, the inflows minus the outflows, on net, you know, it's 5,000 coins, 2,000, 10,000. But on inflows alone, we're talking about hundreds of millions to billions of dollars. And on outflows, another hundreds of millions to billions of dollars. So they're almost one-to-one. But the scale of the net flow is like 1% to 2% of the total flow. So what's actually happening is people are buying and selling and moving coins in and out of exchanges at enormous frequencies every single day. So what the on-chain data is doing, it's capturing profit multiples, holding time, transaction volumes. And really, in in order to get those kind of leading signals, like anything, um, the macro signals are very easy to understand because they just cycle. But with practice and understanding the concepts, the leading indicators become far more relevant because it just takes the time and the proof of work to know what you're looking for at the right time. 
Um, so, you know, that, that kind of, that's basically what I try to do is help people understand what those metrics are, right tool for the right job. Um, but there is no question that you can go down to some, some people that I've talked to trade block level. They pull the data that we have every single block and they use that to make their trading decisions. Um, some people do that and then they overlie moving averages to find like macro trends and they build signals out of all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, you can go down to very, very fine detail um, or you can go macro. It, it kind of is a tool for all those jobs. Mm. Have you built any signals or platforms that can kind of sync everything into a single indicators or is that quite, that, that must be. No, quite- no, that's actually a project that we, so we've rolled out one of these, as I mentioned dashboards before, we've actually rolled out one um, and we're starting big and then zooming in. But that first one, its job is just to help identify what do we like to see at the end of a bear market, right? What are the things that you want to see when we start to come out the other side? You get building up of on-chain activity, getting up above important key price levels. Are we seeing profit more than loss being realized in the market? Because, you know, I tell this story, no one tells their friend, oh, yeah, I'm losing, you know, 10% of my portfolio every day. I'm going to go and tell my friend about how much fun I'm having, right? That just doesn't happen. The other way around, I'm making money every day. People tell everyone, right? So when you get the market transition to a profit-dominated regime, uh, that's another signal. And then the other one is, are you seeing um, coins actually transferring? Because the smart money, they will wait until there's enough demand. They're not going to just flood the market because they're going to send price down. These experienced guys start transferring their coins slowly back to the speculators when there's enough demand coming in. So- they're kind of four topics, right? Pricing models, is the, on, is the on-chain activity picking up? Do we have profit coming back into the system? Um, and are the smart money behaving the way we expect them to? If all four of those are firing, you may well be exiting a bear market. We've got other ones which are coming, which is, okay, now that we've got that kind of exit from the bear, can we spot local tops and spot local bottoms during bull markets? Can we make Can we help people DCA better? Um, there's other ones where you can say, look, look for the most euphoric bull market top you can possibly find. What are the things you're looking for when that bull market blows up? Um, and likewise, what does absolute capitulation look like? So we're, we're building up these tools that are starting big because on-chain is a very, very new discipline. So we're starting with, here's the big picture stuff you want to look at. And as we build more of these things out, we can start to zoom in and go, okay, let's look at this on a micro level. Let's look at this on a day-by-day level. You just kind of shrink it down um, as it comes. But uh, as, as you can see, there's a lot of work on my plate for uh, for 2023, but this is kind of the, the mission and the objective. Oh, it's that would be absolutely incredible if you're able to, because you're sitting on so much data there. If you're able to put it in a, a really constructive manner for, for people to interpret, then I, I foresee this being huge, absolutely huge from last night. Okay, we've got the ideas. Okay. We've got the ideas. We've got the metrics. All we're doing at the moment, me and my team, is turning these things into products. So, yeah. I mean, that just takes time. But uh, we, we've got all the charts. They're just all work in progress. And the mission now is to sit down and actually bring them together into a dashboard. So we've got that first one live, but there'll be many more by the end of uh, probably next quarter. That's amazing. Awesome. Really cool. Thanks for sharing that. Can I, I might just jump in. I wanted to ask you, um, mate, about something you said earlier, um, because it's a really relevant topic, ordinals. If uh, right. someone watching this isn't familiar with it, it's a relatively new thing, and it's driving the Bitcoin maxis absolutely insane, um, some of them at least. And it's actually it's always a good sign. Built. Yeah, I, I always get a kick out of them, just throwing their toys out of the cot. Um, but it's NFTs 
built on Bitcoin. I just would love to get maybe your high level view on that and also how that might impact uh, what you're doing at Glassnode, how you might interpret that with metrics and whatnot. Yeah, no, totally. Um, ordinals is a really interesting concept. So the, um, the the idea here is a Bitcoin transaction has two parts. Following the SegWit upgrade, there's two parts. There's the transaction data, how many coins, what address, that kind of information. And then there's what's called the, the witness data or the signature. This is kind of the cryptographic proof um, that proves that the you know um, there was no funny business and the right person spent the coins and things like that. Um, what's a, a clever cookie is found to do is that they can put data inside that witness space right so basically what we're seeing is that people are inscribing and you know there's been the nft craze that happened on on ethereum and solana and the like now the thing with nfts is you've got the token that is unique but what the token does has a reference to a url that is basically pointing to a picture or whatever it is that's hosted somewhere else it's the the actual image or the file that that nft references is not on the ethereum blockchain now, the reason why the Bitcoin maximalists are upset about this whole thing is essentially they've found a way to inscribe the actual JPEG, right? I saw Doom, the, the original game of Doom has now been inscribed onto the Bitcoin blockchain. Now, what's very interesting about this, the first thing is that ordinals and inscriptions are so much better in terms of branding as NFTs. It always baffled me that we, all we could come up with with the best name for NFTs was you know, a contraction of non-fungible tokens. So someone's found a way to put data inside the Bitcoin ledger. But what's very interesting about this is it's creating, I mean, Bitcoin is about scarcity and human beings understand scarcity at a very, very high level. So what we've seen is basically a new source of block space demand. Now, what's great about this is that even if it does make the maximalists upset and the concern, the reason they're upset is it's, you know, there's too much data on the chain. It's harder for nodes to sync and there's all sorts of technical reasons here. But at the same time, the Bitcoin network and everybody who upgraded their nodes for SegWit agreed that four megabyte, the block ceiling, was acceptable. We increased it from one megabyte to four megabytes. And this is essentially the bed that we all sleep in. We did the assessment back then in 2017 that four megabytes every 10 minutes is sufficient for a full node to stay synced. I fall into that camp. I think the Bitcoin maximalists will rapidly um, come around to the fact that we now have a brand new source of block space demand. People are paying fees. All we're doing is pushing ourselves up to that four megabyte cap somewhat earlier than we were going to anyway. And we now have a solution or a, a partial solution to the fee. You know, people theorize that Bitcoin won't be able to survive because of the fee market. Well, we're generating demand for block space. That's generating fees. That's going to create make the chain more sustainable. People like scarcity. And I think people are going to come around to the fact that these things are kind of cool. So you've got new block space demand. Um, you've got um, a system where the mining may now be more sustainable long term. You've got collectibles in a use case that's actually, in my opinion, a superior technology to all the other NFT spaces. And I'm not. I'm not going to lie. If you wind back the clock two months ago, even to one month, and you said, "Will you know?" There's this saying: everything that's good in the crypto space will eventually get built on Bitcoin. And until about a month ago. I was in the camp where I was like, I just don't think that's probably, you know, we'll get some stuff, but I don't think so. I've completely flipped. I've always been a Bitcoin bull, but I'm looking at this ordinals thing. I have no idea where this innovation is going to go, but I'm already seeing guys talking about what else can we put into these inscriptions? Can we put anchors for side chains? Can we put inscribed blocks inside other inscribed blocks? Can we put smart contracts in these things? Like 
the design space that has just opened up on top of things like Lightning Network, um, Fetty Mints, all these kind of things, you, you look and you're like, yeah. Bitcoin's now a serious contender for every crypto idea you've ever had. Um, these are real NFTs in the sense that the whole image is there and you can't undo it on the most secure ledger. It's very exciting stuff. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's, I just find the development within the crypto arena is absolutely mind-blowing. When you think that it can't expand anymore, something new just pops out of nowhere and it's it's it, a complete game-changer um, to what happens, therefore, going forward. So that's really cool. Nice. Bitcoin has a remarkable way of, like, emerging with new narratives when all <laughs> narratives are dead. It just arises from the ashes and there's something else that brings it back to life. It's It's just the most resilient, robust beast that's ever existed. It's unreal. Mm. And that's why the, I guess the first six months of 2019, um, the the narrative still could be there for a really strong first six months of uh, 2023, potentially given new discoveries. And if the uh, the Fed are, uh, I guess, nice and not too drastic uh, in the forthcoming months as well. Um, cool. Um, I think we're probably start to wrap up. Um, I'll say my my biggest takeaway from this session is. I really like the way that you described the, it's just human, um, I guess, psychology. Behavior. Yeah, human mm-hmm. psychology and behavior that's put into data. And that's the way that I think of technical analysis. Um, but I've never as such thought of on-chain like that, but it absolutely is. Um, it, it is captured that. Um, we can visualize the pain, the euphoria, the joy, yeah. the losses. You can see it all. You can yeah. see it at scale and, when everyone's like puking the, out like their the coins, it's you can just see the, it's the it's kind of bizarre. But like yeah. you know, um, at the end of the day, like why does on-chain analysis work? And I've been kind of processing this over recent months. Mm. It's essentially because the asset may change, the market may change, the Fed may change, the monetary policy may change, the year changes, but the human ape brain remains the same. It never changes. We've been doing the same thing as long as there's been a price. We will always behave the same way at scale, and that's just a tool to visualize it. Yeah. Awesome. Nice. Sammy, uh, any parting question or anything that you wanted to share? Oh, yeah. I almost missed the last question. Well, my, my key takeaway was concepts and talking about ordinals. I think that, that was a real good yeah. Um, yeah, I guess with everything happening in, in the US, I might end with uh, Anthony Pompliano question, which is, uh, do you believe in aliens, James? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard not to, right? At the end of the day, it's like just yeah. just mathematically. Um, but I still do like that that Fermi paradox, right? It's like, well, where are they? Um, you know, there, there's claims that they're currently hovering over Washington at the moment or wherever these these hot air balloons or whatever it is they're chasing are. I mean, um, it, it's kind of a sign of the times, isn't it, where you can have what could be an alien invasion and there's just so much other stuff going on. People are like, oh, I don't have time to worry about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, <laughs> just, just, just. You know, take them to the movies and just let them sit tight for the next block, eh? Well, it's almost <laughs> yeah, like 100%. Um, the, the events that happen are almost like a desensitization of humanity. It's like COVID, oh, yeah. such a thing when it first came out. And now people are like, oh, COVID, whatever. Um, yeah. And it just seems that we shift through things and it's almost like we've been getting prepared for uh, this exposure. The big one. <laughs> Oh yeah, big deal. It's okay, whatever. Bring, yeah. bring, bring yeah. it. Do they accept Bitcoin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what they're here for. Who knows? Probably. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much, mate, for coming on. We really appreciate yeah. your time and your insights. It's been a fantastic session. I uh, would love to have you on again. 
uh, maybe, I don't know, a year or so down the track when the market conditions start to shift a bit. And um, yeah, we can get your insights then and see where we're at. Beautiful. Love it. Thanks, Chen. It's been a pleasure.